Hey, it's Christian Martin here. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I recorded this podcast over two or three different sessions. And the reason was I was getting ready to go to Thailand. So when I start the podcast, I'm in Portland, Oregon. And when I end it, I'm actually in Thailand. Now, coincidentally, or not so much, this podcast is about my guide to first-time travel. If you want to follow along with that guide, I put together a document for you. You can go find that at christianmartin.org backslash travel, and we're going to talk about how to get ready to take your first international trip. All right, let's jump into the episode. You're about to be introduced to a group of fly-under-the-radar marketers who you've probably never heard of, living life on their own terms, working from anywhere in the world. While others live to work, we work to live. We reject the status quo, the cubicle, and the morning rush hour. We don't allow a boss to tell us how to live our lives. Instead of waiting until we're old and gray, we're spreading our retirements out over the next 60 years to enjoy the prime years of our lives. We can work from anywhere with a laptop and an internet connection. We do things differently. We work smart instead of hard. We don't trade time for money. We trade results and impact. If you would ask your parents or a college advisor if what we're doing is possible, they'd shake their heads. Yet, we're doing it every day from cafes on the beaches of Bali, mountain chalets in the mountains of Colorado, and jungle apartments in Colombia. And we're making more money than we'd ever make in a full-time job. This podcast is about one question. How do you use the power of marketing to build a life you don't need a vacation from, where you can work from anywhere in the world? If you want the answer, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit christianmartin.org slash podcast. Here's Christian. All right, so we're picking up in Thailand. I actually just got here last night at about 7 p.m. Thai time. That was 5 a.m., Pacific Standard Time, which means it took me exactly 36 hours door-to-door to go from Portland, Oregon to Koh Samui, Thailand. I flew from Portland to San Francisco, San Francisco to Korea, and spent a couple hours in the South Korean airport, one of the nicest airports in the entire world. It was pretty amazing. And then flew to Bangkok and then Koh Samui. So here I am, stayed at an, an awesome house, went and got scooters today. And getting back on track, and I want to finish this episode for you. So I'm going to run through my guide to first-time international travel. If you're wondering, what do I need to do before I leave? What do I need to pack? What should I pack? Should I pack a lot of things? Should I pack a little things? What do I need to watch out for? Is it safe to travel? Do I need to worry about getting robbed? Things like that. So let's jump in and do this thing. First thing I want to talk about is things to do before you go to make your trip better, okay? Number one on this list is buy travel insurance. I use a site called worldnomads.com and I buy travel insurance so that if I have medical issues or scheduling issues or accidents or whatever while I'm abroad, this will cover it. So if you're wondering, does my health insurance cover my hospital trip in Bangkok? Probably not, right? But this insurance will cover it and I have used it before and I have gone to hospitals while traveling. I was actually in the Phuket hospital last time I was here just to get some help with a little lower back issue. And they had a Chinese acupuncturist in there. And I don't know if you believe in acupuncture or not, but he gave me one session, stuck some needles into my foot, and it completely fixed the back issue that I was having for about three weeks. This was really important to me at the time because I wanted to train in Muay Thai, but I had this issue. And without it being fixed, I wasn't going to be able to train. 
So travel insurance, that's going to help out a lot. Next, submit a travel notice for your credit cards in bank. They will cut off your cards if you don't do this some of the time. So just log into your account and there's usually a place where you can submit a travel notice and just let them know that you're traveling to another country. This way they're not going to think it's fraud when somebody is buying something in another country. Next, back up your photos and your phone and your laptop to Dropbox. I always like to have everything backed up to Dropbox in the cloud so that if I lost all of my devices, it really wouldn't matter that much. Insurance would cover the cost of the device and then all my files are backed up. I have friends who have lost five years worth of work because they had a hard drive go bad in their laptop and they didn't have things backed up. So please back up your work. And I like to be okay if I were to lose everything. So what if I checked a bag and the airline lost it? I don't want to lose precious work on my laptop. It should all be backed up. Next, I like to save some of my Spotify songs for offline listening. Again, it was 36 hours of travel to get here. So I want to make sure on that 12-hour flight to Korea that I have music to listen to. So if you're used to streaming things online, make sure you download some stuff for offline listening. And I'll also do this. The Netflix app on your iPad will let you download movies to watch offline. So I'll do this with movies as well. Next, load up your books on Kindle. I like to read books about the area I'm going to visit. So in Morocco, I read The Alchemist because the protagonist in that book travels through Morocco. And before I went to Bali, I read a book about the drug trade in Bali. So I like to read relevant contextual books. It gives me a more interesting experience of the place I'm going to. Next, check your passport and make sure it is valid for at least six months after the trip is over. That's because some countries require at least six months left on your passport to enter the country. So if you get to Thailand and you only have three months left on your passport and they don't let you in, you're going to be really, really unhappy. So make sure you have at least six months on your passport. Double check your debit and credit card expirations now and order replacement cards if you need to. You don't want these cards to expire while you're on your trip. Next, read the Wikipedia page for the country you're traveling to and the city in which you'll be arriving. This is going to give you a really cool overview of the place you're going. It's obviously not going to teach you everything about the place, but it's a good starting point and you might get a little history so you have context about what you're walking into. Next, look into necessary immunizations. Go to your doctor. They're going to tell you what you should get, what you shouldn't get, and you can also just log on to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control's website, and they will tell you what they recommend or what is required to travel to another country. Next, I like to look up directions from the airport to my hotel or hostel and screenshot it, save it. I'm not going to rely on having internet when I land because the first time I traveled to Costa Rica, I just figured I would get on the internet when I landed. Turns out I landed at 5 a.m. There was no internet and I didn't have service there and I had no idea where I was going. So I like to download that stuff ahead of time. Next, I either rearrange my taxi beforehand or I found out how much a taxi should cost so I don't get ripped off. So I know when I arrive in that country, this is how much it should cost to get to my air, to my hotel or Airbnb. And if somebody's trying to charge me three times that amount, I know I'm getting ripped off. Here's the thing. Being a tourist at the airport is the number one place you're going to get ripped off. is by taxi drivers taking you to your hotel. Okay, So just know ahead of time. And then I like to make sure I book accommodations for at least the first night. 
A lot of times I will fly by the seat of my pants traveling and I won't have everything planned out. This is how I prefer to do it. This way, if you meet people or you hear about locations that you'd like to check out, your trip is not set in stone. You can be flexible. But I do like to make sure I have at least that first night booked so that I'm not stuck wandering around. And again, this is because one time in Costa Rica, in a rainstorm, I was wandering around trying to find a place to stay when all the hostels were full and I did not know where to stay and I didn't want to repeat that experience. So now I make sure I have at least the next night planned out. Now, some of you might say, I'm going to have that planned out three months ahead of time. I'd say for you all, maybe be a little more flexible and try and have less planned out, okay? Next, what bag should you bring on your trip? This is really important. Because if you're traveling all around, this can make or break your experience. If you bring a ton of luggage, you're not going to want to move around a lot. You're not going to want to be flexible. You're going to feel stressed out every time you have to move locations. But if you have just one backpack that you carry on your back, you can be agile. You can move around. You can change locations on a bicycle or a scooter. And you don't need to worry about the luggage. So here's what I'm going to tell you. It is better to bring too little on your trip than to bring too much. It is better and more fun to be mobile and to be able to you know, roll out to the next location and be flexible and not have to be lugging this luggage around. Plus, sometimes you got to like hop on boats for transfers to other islands, things like that. It can be really a pain in the ass with luggage. And for most countries you travel to, you can purchase anything that you've forgotten, mostly. Again, I like to make sure I don't forget my computer charger most of all because I need that to work and that's going to be the hardest to find. Otherwise, clothes, toiletries... Uh, first aid stuff, food, drink, all that stuff you can find wherever you go. And I also like to do this thing where I might pack some old clothes that I don't really want anymore instead of the clothes I usually wear. And then as I travel, I'll buy maybe a t-shirt here or a tank top there. And I'll just get rid of one of my old pieces of clothing or shoes and bring the new stuff. So I don't have to make extra room in my bag for the new stuff. I just get rid of some of my old stuff and bring the new stuff home. So those are kind of impromptu, practical souvenirs. If you're wondering what bag I use, I use what's called a Manal bag. That's M-I-N-A-A-L. And this bag is amazing. I can put it under my airline seat on any airline. I can have it with me wherever I go. I never have to check a bag. I never have to pay for baggage fees. I don't have to worry about losing it because I have to keep it somewhere safe while I'm out doing things. I can always take it with me. This is the sole bag that I travel with. And a lot of times I'll get in Ubers or taxis and they'll say, that's all you have for a week. And I'll say, well, I'm going for three months or I'm going for one month or whatever. So any amount of time from a week to a month to a year, this bag is going to be able to fit everything that I need. Next, we're going to build our travel wallet. So at home, I just carry a couple credit cards in the case of my phone. But I do things a little differently while traveling. I mostly operate on a cash system while I'm traveling. And I use a couple different cards than when I'm at home. So you want to bring a debit card and a credit card with no international fees and no ATM fees. This is important because it can cost you more than $10 to take out cash if you use your regular bank card. So I use what's called... The Charles Schwab debit card, this has no ATM fees. They'll actually reimburse you for any fees that ATMs charge you. They have no international fees. So you can take out cash and it's not going to cost you anything. This card is amazing for travelers. Charles Schwab. And then the credit card I use is the Chase Sapphire Preferred because there are no international fees for that card. 
I'm also going to use a wallet that I can keep in my front pocket. If you keep your wallet in your back pocket at home and you do the same thing when you travel, you're probably going to get your wallet stolen. Now, this doesn't mean that everywhere you go, there's going to be pickpockets, but in some third world countries or countries that are not what you're used to, there are a lot more petty crimes. So I bring something thin, I keep it to the bare necessities, and I put it in my front pocket. That way nobody can pickpocket me, okay? And here's what I keep in there. I keep an old copy of my driver's license, just for some ID. I keep a paper copy of my passport. A lot of times you're required to have your passport or a copy of your passport on you while traveling for police, things like that. So I keep a copy because I keep my passport at home in a safe. And then I'll bring that debit card, credit card, and then local currency. I like to assume that this wallet will be stolen, which is why I use old copies. If you haven't picked up on it by now, I like to be prepared for worst case scenarios so that I'm not even very stressed out if it happens. So again, if I lose my computer, I lose my wallet, I have backups of everything and I'm set up so that I can easily replace these things. So I'll actually bring a backup credit card and debit card and keep these in a separate location in my bag in case I lose my travel wallet. And the actual travel wallet that I use for this purpose looks like a map. And here's why. could look like a New York City subway map, but it's an actual wallet that you can put money into. And here's a cool thing about this. This one time in Bali, I was at these temples, and somehow this wallet fell out of my bag or my pocket, right onto the ground at a popular tourist hotspot. Now, a couple hours later, and after driving probably an hour further away from that spot, I realized I had lost my wallet. We drove back an hour to find it and was sitting there right on the ground where I had left it. And the reason is because nobody saw it as a wallet. They saw it as a map and nobody decided to pick it up. So this way, when you pull it out, people don't know you're pulling out money. It's really inconspicuous. And if you ever lose it, chances are you can find it because nobody's going to pick it up and take it with them because it doesn't look like a wallet. Also in my bag, I'm going to keep extra cash. U.S. dollars work well here as they're worth a lot most places you go. I bring about three copies of my passport. I put one in my bag, one in my travel wallet, and one one other place. I back up all of my cards to a digital wallet so I know exactly what I have. I know how to cancel them if I need to. I know how to access the actual cards in case I displace them. This is really helpful. And I include my ID cards, insurance information, etc. And I use an app called Wallet Plus. I actually developed this app. I no longer own it. I sold the app, but I still use it all the time. It's a great app. It's called Wallet Plus. Next, test your debit cards and credit cards before you go. Since I use different cards for travel, I want to make sure these cards are up to date and working. So I'm actually going to go out these and test them at home right before I go to make sure they work. The other thing that I do is I email a friend or family member a copy of my passport along with U.S. Embassy contact information and maybe even where I'm staying in a Google Doc. And this makes it easy to access that stuff if I happen to lose it. And then if I need help getting to the embassy or replacing my passport or something, I can just uh, look up that friend and reach out to them and have all that information in one place. Next thing is... If you are going to a crowded place in a foreign country and you stand out, you look like a tourist, then you're probably going to be a target for pickpockets. So when you're in a crowded place, like a town square, somewhere you've never been before in a foreign country, 
you can always walk with your hands in your front pockets in crowded places. My friend Andrea got her iPhone stolen the first day in Morocco a couple of years ago. So if we're in a crowded place, I usually keep my wallet and my phone covered with my hand so I don't get pickpocketed. Now, don't worry about this. It's not a big deal. Most of the time, you don't even need to think about it. But if it's a new country and you stand out, just watch your stuff. A couple apps to download before you go. One of my favorites is Splitwise. This makes it really easy to not have to split every meal and every activity you do. So if you're traveling with a friend, chances are you're probably going to trade off paying sometimes. And this is going to keep that balance for you so that over the course of you know a couple weeks or a couple months, you don't have to try and mentally keep track of that because it's not going to work after a couple days. So if one person has cash and the other doesn't, or you just want to make it easier, you can just add that to Splitwise, and then you can settle up at the end of the trip. And you can do that with your housing arrangements, things like that as well. So I usually trade off with my travel companions and then uh, end up settling up after weeks or months or whenever you want to settle up. The next app is offline translation. Depends what country you're going to, but if you need to be able to speak the language and almost nobody there speaks English, it's nice to have translation. And you don't want to get stuck in a place with no internet and you can't communicate, so you can use this app to have translation at all times. And then before I go, I also like to learn the basics, or at least the first week that I get to a place. So I like to learn hello, goodbye, please, thank you, water, food, beer, where's the bathroom, etc. So I'm in Thailand now, and Sawadi Kap is hello, Kap Kung Kap is thank you, I believe Nam is water, and Tirai Churak, well, and I've forgotten, nice to meet you already. So I gotta work on that. Next, Currency Exchange. This is a nice app that just allows you to calculate the difference in currency. So what is $1 worth in Thai baht? It's right around 30 baht. That app is going to tell me. Again, offline maps. You can do this in Google Maps. If you're worried about not having internet and getting lost, you can download certain cities in your Google Maps app. It's not essential, but again, if you're traveling on your own without anyone else and you're worried about it, just download that. It's going to make you feel better. Next is an app called Agoda. This is a good app to find hotels outside the United States. So if you're looking for a hotel, I usually pull up Agoda and can find a pretty good deal on there. Next is Airbnb. Probably everyone has heard of this by now. A couple of years ago when I started traveling, it really wasn't very popular. And I actually learned about it because I listed my place on there quite a few years ago when they would send out photographers to take pictures for free. Maybe they still do that. I'm not sure. But Airbnb is one of the best things to happen to travel ever because now you don't have to stay in resorts or hotels. You can actually go stay in nice houses any place you go. So Airbnb is a great app to have and you can find anything from you know a bed in a shared room to your own house. Right now I'm staying in a four-bedroom house in Thailand. Next is Orbitz. I use this to book most of my flights. They just give you a good selection. Pretty easy. And then you can pull up your ticket on the app. Hostel World. I know not everyone stays in hostels. I used to stay in a lot of hostels, not so much anymore. But Hostel World is an awesome app, and it gives you all the hostels with ratings 
so you can see your reviews and pick which hostel you want to stay at beforehand. Just a quick tip, if you are planning this ahead of time, again, don't plan too far ahead, but hostels, especially the good ones, do fill up, so try and book it a couple nights ahead of time. And then I have a couple suggestions from my friend Kim in my list here. So Vivino is a wine app, and you can track which wine you drink abroad, so you can remember it when you get home. That could be cool. And then an app called Companion, if you're traveling alone, especially at night, or if you're a woman and you're concerned about your safety, this notifies people that you're walking solo and when you've safely made it home. Now I'm going to jump into the packing list. Now I keep it pretty light when it comes to clothes. Uh, My friend Matthew right now is making fun of me because most of my bag, which isn't very big, is just filled up with camera gear this trip. And so when it comes to actual clothes, I don't have that much. You've got the obvious basics, socks, underwear, board shorts. I want to make sure I bring workout shorts and some tank tops. One pair of regular shorts with pockets. One pair of jeans. I'm actually going to wear the jeans on travel days. This is because I strategically fit everything into one bag. So on travel days, I'm going to wear the bulky stuff. T-shirts. I usually bring a thermal or a sweatshirt. Usually just one if I'm traveling somewhere warm, uh, a jacket if I'm going somewhere cold, but most places I travel to these days is warm. Then some sandals and one pair of shoes. Now, since I travel light, I'm just going to use one pair of shoes for everything. If you want to be stylish or hit the clubs or something, you might want to pack some extra. But for me, I like the convenience of just having that one bag, so I'm really going to keep it minimal here. Next, aside from clothes, I'm going to bring some essentials, some electronics and things. So I usually have a portable speaker of some sort. This trip we've got two, I think they're Bose, two portable Bose speakers, uh, a GoPro, a Kindle loaded with books. I love my Kindle. Backup charger for your iPhones. Uh, Travel adapter so when you get to a country, you can plug your stuff in. You can usually buy these very inexpensively when you get there, but it's nice it to have on hand for airports and things like that. So I just had a layover in Korea. I did not bring my travel adapter. I forgot it at home, and I wasn't able to charge my laptop and get work done like I thought. Next, an extra set of headphones. I like to bring at least two pairs of headphones because I hate not having headphones. I need them for podcasts, for talking on the phone, for recording things, all sorts of stuff. So I'll bring two sets of headphones at least. Then I'm going to bring some medicine, painkillers, stomach meds, bandages, moleskin, emergency, stuff like that. Uh, and I usually bring some some wipes as well. So if something sticky gets on me on an airplane, I hate that. And I'll use wipes to clean that up. Um, rain jacket is nice to have. Unfortunately, right now I don't have one. So we've been riding around on scooters getting soaked. A refillable water bottle if you're in a country where the tap water is drinkable. If you're not, there's really no point to that. I tie carabiners and zip ties. I keep those in my bag. Those are just all-purpose. You can use them for tons of stuff. Um, A combination lock for locking up your bag at hostels for going to the gym, things like that. So my lock and my carabiners, they're actually just attached to my zippers on the outside of my bag. That makes really easy access, and they don't take up any extra room. Next, we've got earplugs and an eye mask. 
This is important. This is for sleeping on planes, trains, hostels, and if you're close to a road or something like that, like we are now, there can be some noise at night. So maybe there's a club next to you or maybe the cars are loud. Earplugs are awesome for that. Next, I keep an easy access pen for filling out immigration docs. So I keep that somewhere uh, usually. One that goes on a keychain and attaches to my zippers as well. So when I'm filling out an immigration doc, it's right there. It's easy to find. I keep a clothespin in my bag to open up my SIM card. That's the little card on your phone that you switch out to get service in another country. And then I've got my MacBook and charger. Very important. Make sure it's backed up too. I've got a little notebook to write in, a mini flashlight. This is great for late night bike rides in pitch black towns on dirt roads. Uh, I've definitely needed that before. Then if you party, which I don't drink anymore, but I like to have party shades in case you lose them while you're drunk. You don't like to lose your nice sunglasses. Again, not a concern for me anymore, but I used to bring two separate pairs of sunglasses. And again, these could be ocean shades, whatever. Anytime you might lose sunglasses, you want to wear those party shades. And then snacks and such so you don't get hungry on the plane. So that's your basic packing list. You bring all that stuff, you're going to be pretty set. And most countries, you can replace anything you've forgotten anyway, so the pressure is not too high. Next thing I just want to cover real quick is taking photos. So in my first time guide to international travel... I have a little breakdown of taking photos. So taking candid photos of your travel companions and sharing them after the trip is really cool. It gives them some memories and they'll thank you for it. And here are the biggest things that are going to make your travel photos a thousand times better. There's just three things you need to learn and it's going to make your photography much better if you're not a photographer. No, I'm not. So if you are a photographer listening to this, you probably know a lot more than I do. First thing is the rule of thirds. This is basically just putting someone in a, if you cut the picture up into thirds, so there's three sections, you basically don't put them in the middle of the picture. This way you get to see some of the landscape and it's going to give a cool composition to the photo. So you basically just put the person in the left, right, top, bottom third of the photo. Uh, Learn to tap. If you're taking pictures on your phone, learn to tap to focus if you don't already. Super simple. And then... There used to be a rule that you shoot all video in widescreen, and for most of the time that's the case. Think about watching video on a TV. Are you going to want to watch something that somebody shot in portrait when it's up and down? No. Shoot your video in widescreen. The exception to this is Instagram stories now. So Instagram is a lot of square video, and Instagram stories can actually be vertical video. Now, from a marketing perspective, that's important, and if you do a lot of, like I guess, Snapchat and Instagram stories... Just for memory's sake, I would shoot it in widescreen. Next is journaling. Get a journaling app or a journaling system and just take 10 minutes every day to write down what you did. Travel is going to bring you, especially when you're new to it, it's going to bring you so many experiences, sensations, emotions, tastes, friends every single day that you want to remember what you saw, what you did, who you met, how you reacted to it all. So just taking that little bit of time every day to journal is going to give you memories that you're Really going to appreciate a couple of years down the road. A couple options for that. You can use Day One for Mac. It's a Mac app. There's a little service called Dabble.me, Dabble.me that I use. It sends you an email every day and you just hit reply. You can write whatever you want. You can just say what you did that day. You can say how you felt. You can say whatever you want. 
and then you hit send and it stores it in a database and then it will send you that email back the next year and say, this is what you did last year, what'd you do this year? So you get this constant historical perspective on yourself that's really cool. And then I use Evernote a lot to keep all sorts of notes. Now you've packed, you've got all the tools, you're ready to go to the country. When you get to the airport in the country in which you're arriving, you're going to have to go through customs. Don't take pictures in customs. This is a big no-no. The countries do not like it when you do this. So I did have a friend who did this in Morocco, and immediately she's getting searched and interrogated. They're taking her phone away because she's in there taking videos in customs. Not a good idea. So just wait till you get through customs, get out of the airport, and then you can take as many pictures as you want. When you get there, you're going to want to go to the ATM and get some local currency so that you can pay for a cab to wherever you're going. A lot of times you can find SIM cards in the actual airport, so you might switch out that SIM card right there. That's going to give you internet service, which is nice because it gives you peace of mind. You, you now have maps. You can now communicate with people. That's always nice to have. And then if you're arriving in an airport, I highly suggest you either book your trip in the cab ahead of time with a service, or you figure out how much cabs cost in that country to get where you want to go. And you want to negotiate your taxi price before you step foot into the cab. And some countries you have to ask the cabbie to turn the meter on, so there might be a meter. They might not use it when you get in. You just ask them, hey, can you please turn on the meter? This is because tourists at an airport are the prime target for taxi drivers, and this is the number one place that you're going to get ripped off. So try and handle this ahead of time, and you're going to be a lot happier. And then I also have a rule. I try not to put my bags in the trunk if the price hasn't been negotiated and paid yet because that gives the cabbie leverage. He has my bag until I pay him the money. So if it's a situation where I don't really trust him, I just keep my bag with me. That's one of the reasons I like to have only one bag. They don't have any leverage over me. So I know I have some warnings in there. Hopefully you got some good tips out of this as well. Traveling is very rewarding. It's really fun. And you'll go on adventures, you'll remember, for the rest of your life. So there is some preparation, there are some things to be aware of, but I'm just trying to prepare you so you have the most fun possible and have a great time. If you're scared to go on your first trip, if it seems daunting or overwhelming, that's totally normal. Everyone feels that way, I still feel that way before I go on trips. So just know that as soon as you get to where you're going, You're going to meet the people, you're going to see the places, and you're going to realize that you had nothing to worry about in most cases, and that most places I go feel a lot safer than where I am at home in the United States. So it's a big world out there. There's a lot to see. There's a lot of culture to experience, and you learn so much by getting out of your own little bubble. So take the step. Go book your first trip. Buy the plane ticket. There's no going back at that point. then you can let the fear set in after you purchase the ticket. If you want this guide, I can send you this whole thing in a document at christianmartin.org slash travel. That's going to help you get ready for your first trip. Don't forget to look at it before you go. I forgot on this trip. I forgot tons of stuff, but it's all in this document. I hope that helps. Have a great time on your trip, and I'll see you next episode. 
do you use the power of marketing to build a life you don't need a vacation from? Where you can work from anywhere in the world? If you want the answer, subscribe to the podcast and leave a review now. If you want it faster, visit christianmartin.org slash podcast. See you next episode.